Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey friend, I'm Nicole Walters, mom of three, your internet bestie and founder of Inherit Learning Company. If you're looking for the motivation you need to pursue a life of purpose, then join me each week on the Nicole Walters podcast as I share my hard-learned lessons and answer your DMs about life, business, and everything in between. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll grant ourselves grace as we do life together. Check out the Nicole Walters podcast every Tuesday here on Dear Media. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. It's another day to debunk diet culture and help women heal their relationship with food and their bodies and wellness. Woo! It's my favorite kind of day, my favorite kind of episode. We have a repeat guest today. Everyone, give it up. Welcome back, the lovely Christy Harrison. I had her on before when she just released her first book, Anti-Diet. That was an amazing episode. And she's back with her new book, The Wellness Trap. Christy's a journalist, an anti-diet registered dietitian, and a certified intuitive eating counselor. Her new book called The Wellness Trap is about breaking free from diet culture, disinformation, and dubious diagnosis to find your true well-being. And I just think this is so important because there's so many wellness conversations happening. And look, I'm going to give maybe a little bit of a longer intro for this episode today because I got a lot to say. What I've noticed in society when it comes to the conversation around diet culture and the body positive movement, et cetera, is a lot of people have picked up on toxic diet culture, right? Like when the branding says, you know, guilt-free, fat-free, or 
lose weight if you eat this. You know, those are like the obvious slogans and things that people are recognizing now and being like, we don't mess with that anymore. Actually, the other day on Instagram, a creator I follow named Jamie Caroma, who's such a good follow on self-love, self-care, body confidence. She was wearing an itsy bitsy yellow polka dot bikini and she swiped to that old Yoplate commercial. Do any of you remember this Yoplait commercial? It was like, she wore an itsy bitsy teeny weeny. And the commercial is this woman who's ha- sees her little yellow bikini hanging and she's wearing like sweats and a hoodie. And the message is presumably she doesn't feel confident in her body and she's eating Yoplait. And every day she comes back in and she sees the bikini and she's eating her Yoplait. And then like throughout the commercial, she slowly seems to be like, getting closer to wearing jeans and like tops and out of her sweats and looking at the bikini. And then it ends with her finally grabbing and wearing the bikini. And I think the very end of the commercial is like, yo plate, lose fat, lose weight, like in big letters. And I just throw back to the days that that used to be a commercial. And we all used to sit there and be like, yep, nothing wrong with that. Like, cause everyone needs to be trying to get skinny and needs to be trying to lose weight. So I guess my point in sharing that story is We've obviously come a long way and that that commercial would just never fly today. However, what does fly, what still sneaks through the cracks is just this idea of wellness, this constant pursuit of, well, it's okay to talk about being healthy. Like it's okay to talk about green juices and having fruits and vegetables and grains and kale. Like all of that's fine because we've attached some idea that like, Why wouldn't you want to pursue longevity in life and taking care of your body? Like people are like, it's not a weight thing. We don't care about weight, but you have to eat healthy and you have to feel shame if you're not eating, quote, like good foods. So to quote Aubrey Gordon on Instagram, she's your fat friend. She has a quote that I love. I've said it on the pod a few times, and it's basically along the lines of diet culture has replaced itself with wellness which is just as toxic, just as unattainable, and just as dangerous for so many. And that's really what Christy and I are going to dive into today is this idea of the wellness trap and how do we navigate wanting to do what's best for ourselves, our lives, our bodies, but then also so much of it is versed in this diet culture mentality. And I even go in phases of like, I want to clean my whole apartment. I want to use good non quote non-toxic products. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day all about like how to detoxify your home. And before I even listened to it, I was like, do I even want to do this, Vic? Because what you hear, you can't go back from. Like, oh my gosh, the other day I heard someone say the best thing you can do and the easiest thing you can do for your toxicity of your home is to take your shoes off before you come inside because your shoes on the bottom of your you know feet, you have all this dirt and these toxins and these germs that you pick up when you go fill up your car with gas and you walk around and then you walk with those same shoes through your home right next to your bed. And I mean, now I can't forget about that. I'm like, oh God. But then I'm I mean, I wear my shoes sometimes in the house and I'm like, I'm not going to go grab my mop and spend 10 minutes mopping. You know what I'm saying? And then there was so much more in that episode that I listened to about all the different ways you can like detoxify your life. And it's just a lot. Like when you start to think about everything you have to do and you're like, I have work and I have my family and I have 
trying to enjoy my life. And then I have the relationships I'm keeping up and I have my friends and I have therapy, you know, and I have this thing that I'm dealing with and this is hard. The last thing I can do is, is switch out my Febreze because suddenly we don't like Febreze. You know what I'm saying? It's too much. And then another thing that I think is a big issue that people don't realize enough is that there are experts in every field and they will tell you different things. You could work with a nutritionist. I mean, this happens all the time. You see someone who's like, I have all these credentials in food and they'll say dairy, you know, don't have dairy. Dairy so bad for you. Dairy clogs this dairy, blah, blah, blah. And they have all the credentials and someone will be like, okay, well, they're the experts. So they know. And then you'll see someone else with the exact same credentials who is just as qualified that will say, no, dairy is so good for you. It's, you know, such an important source when you're a newborn and, you know, your body is taking form and all of the different aspects of you are developing. We need dairy and it's still important to incorporate dairy throughout your life to help blah, blah, blah. Like there are people who are experts and equally qualified with polar opposite opinions. Truly. So, I mean, where does that leave us? I think it leaves us having to be like, okay, let me take in the information if I want and then make a decision that like feels best for me. Like, how do I feel when I eat X, Y, Z thing? For example, I have PCOS. When I was at the OBGYN and she was, you know, re-diagnosing me or reaffirming the diagnosis of PCOS, because I was diagnosed when I was like 13 or 14. And I hadn't really checked in on it since other than just like getting on the pill for 10 years. So then I wanted to go off the pill to be a bit more, well, I wasn't using the word holistic, but I feel like that could sound very (laughs) not like in line with this episode, but I just felt like birth control. I didn't know what it was doing for me and I wasn't getting my period naturally. And I started seeing a lot online about, and this is kind of an example of the episode. You start to see all these things online and then question the way you do things about how you can try to regulate your period, regulate your hormones and kind of do a more natural approach, which appealed to me. And I was interested in that. I'd never tried it. So long story short, I go back to the OBGYN. I get re-diagnosed with PCOS. And actually one of the first things that the OBGYN said to me was, you should cut gluten and dairy because of PCOS, which first of all, is just so, so not the correct advice to just like blanket statement, tell someone cut gluten and dairy Like she doesn't even know I'm coming from an eating disorder, that my relationship with food is difficult for me. Like to just tell someone to cut two main food groups that they probably consume is just, just so, they're so, so problematic. Okay. But I kept my cool and I just said, I don't notice anything with bloating or my body when it comes to dairy and gluten. And actually I come from a history of disordered eating. So cutting food groups and restricting is not something I'm going to do. And there was absolutely no pushback. The OBGYN was like, of, of course, if you don't if you don't notice anything with gluten and dairy affecting your hormones or how your body feels, then that's fine. You don't need to do it. Of course, I wish the conversation could have started with what food groups do you eat and how do they make you feel when you're on your period, whatever. The conversation could have been handled differently. But I say this as an example of like, that's an expert in the field telling me, blanket statement, cut gluten and dairy. And I recognize that's not something that I think is causing me problems. So no, I'm not going to do it. So we need to take in this information or listen or, you know, or sometimes you don't don't even, I mean, Christy will talk about not even taking in all the information because it can be so overwhelming. 
But the bottom line, you have to do what works for you. And unfortunately, we've created this wellness culture where everyone's giving side eyes if you have, you know, fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the same day, or you're not having celery juice, or you're not having kale. And it's creating this new wave of body image issues and food issues. And that's why I wanted to have this episode today to hear from Christy about her expert take, what she's seen. She's done tremendous research and to talk more about some of these trends that are taking the nation by storm, like Ozempic. I mean, there's so much there. I'm not even going to get into it. You know, I'll cut myself here because we're going to get into it with Christy and she's going to talk a lot about this. But that's kind of my two cents on high level things that are going on. And you'll hear more from me today once we dive into this episode. So we're going to get started before we do. If you have an extra 10, 20, 30 seconds to spare, it would mean so much if you could review the podcast online. You can head to Apple Podcasts to leave a review. They really help the show or give a rating wherever you listen. All right, without further ado, we're going to get started. So please help me welcome back to RealPod, anti-diet dietitian and author of The Wellness Trap, Christy Harrison. I'm so excited to see you again. Since the last time I saw you, congratulations. You have a daughter. So exciting. Thank you. I know it's been a wild ride for sure. I can only imagine. I love kids, but yes, I you have to be ready to really like sacrifice a lot as I'm sure you now know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't realize how much until until having her and also how much I would want to sacrifice actually. That was the interesting part. Like I think I always thought, you know, I love my job. I love my work. I'll be a working mom. And yeah, I'm realizing like my priorities have totally shifted and I don't care about work as much anymore. And that's an interesting thing, you know, for someone who's a workaholic. And you've been grinding. I mean, not only to write your first book, Anti-Diet, which I absolutely loved, but now The Wellness Trap. I love it. Christy is always there to come in and just tell it like it is. And I thought what was really powerful about this book is you said for my daughter. And I think you've always had this passion for the work that you're doing. But of course, now you're even like, you are extra protective about the messaging out there as it affects everyone, but especially women. And I'm so excited because I have always thought, especially in the recent years, as I've been doing my research and healing and recovering from my own body image and food issues, that wellness and this just idea of being healthy and doing it because it's morally good. And like, okay, let's forget about weight loss. But like, what about treating yourself right? It seems like this new disguise, like diet culture is trying to get back into the club and they're coming under like a different name, wearing a different outfit, but it's all the same BS. So where did the idea of the wellness trap even start and begin for you? Yeah, I think it started, I mean, there's a lot of sort of roots to it for me. I think it was personal for one thing. I have multiple chronic health conditions and many of them are the types that are targeted by wellness culture. So like autoimmune disorders, hormonal conditions, digestive disorders, skin issues, you know, all of these things, I think people will get targeted by wellness purveyors and providers in the wellness industry with these messages of like, you know, heal your gut, cut out these foods reduce inflammation. You know, you can put these diseases into remission if you just eat the right things or avoid the right things and do our supplement protocol and this and that. 
you know, when I first started struggling with these issues 20 years ago, those messages were out there, but they weren't ubiquitous like they are now. I think now there really is just this inundation of messages about these things. And then another piece of this is that, you know, in my work as an intuitive eating coach and a journalist covering anti-diet stuff and, you know, having people come to me with questions about their healing and relationship with food, people would ask me, you know, well, I'm trying to heal my relationship with food. I'm, you know, I've sworn off diets. I know diets don't work, but my naturopath told me I need to heal my gut and put me on this elimination diet or my functional medicine practitioner told me I have adrenal fatigue and that I need to do all these things. And, you know, I'm, I'm struggling because I'm supposed to be doing this for medical reasons, but it's really challenging my relationship with food. It's, you know, setting me back in my recovery. Like, what should I do? You know, I think there's a lot of, in, in the best cases, kind of early stage research that's happening in these wellness spaces and that's being then like overinterpreted stuff that's coming out of experiments on cells in a lab or experiments on mice or experiments on really tiny groups of people and blown out to these sort of sweeping recommendations that say everyone needs to avoid these foods or everyone needs to be dealing with their inflammation in these ways. And really there's not great support for it in the evidence or really in some cases any support. And whenever I see something like that, I think, okay, well, you know, the fact that there's not good scientific evidence behind this and someone is potentially struggling in their relationship with food while trying to implement these protocols really says to me, like the risk is not worth the reward or the the potential benefit just isn't there, especially when compared to the risk that this person is facing for their relationship with food in their body. And something that comes to mind as you talk about it not being scientifically backed or there's not enough information there or you know, going in such an extreme, you know, I know you've talked about how celery juice is this trend, but actually if you drink too much celery juice, you can actually have negative effects that like are not great for your body. But when people like influencers who look amazing or are household names, you talk a lot in the book about Gwyneth Paltrow, People just believe because they're saying, okay, well, you look the way that I hope to look. So I want to eat like you. I want to treat my body the way that you do and use the products that you use. And it kind of perpetuates the cycle. Yeah, it's this aspirational marketing that I think happens in every industry, basically, under capitalism. You know, you have constant advertising that's using images of thin people, people who adhere to conventional Western beauty standards you know, usually young, able-bodied, cisgender, Eurocentric kind of beauty ideals to sell all kinds of products. But I think it's all the more insidious when it comes to selling wellness products and products that are sort of aimed at supposed self-care because it's like, you know, use this product and you'll look like this person and you'll have the sort of glamour that goes along with their life. So when people held out the promise of like, just cut out these foods and you'll heal all of these disparate symptoms you're experiencing or, you know, follow my protocol, follow my cleanse or my detox or do all these supplements and you'll, you'll heal yourself. That's incredibly appealing. This episode is brought to you by Nike. Oh my gosh, pinch me. How cool is that? I've always loved Nike and Nike knows that women are multidimensional and so are the ways we feel good in our bodies. So Nike has made their most meaningful investment in women yet with products that work for every woman, every body, 
and every part of your movement journey. And do you want to know how dedicated Nike is to making women feel comfy during movement? Well, they just performed thousands. I'm talking thousands of body scans on actual women to engineer bras that provide all the support for the way we move. They have leggings that move with you, versatile bras, sneakers that let you flex to your fullest. Nike is here to help you feel your all. As I read this, I'm actually sitting in the Nike Zenvi leggings. The Zenvi leggings are so buttery soft. It's their InfiniSoft fabric, which provides a gentle support, yet they're still so perfect for exercise and training and any sort of movement. I think it's tough to find a legging that truly feels like it's the perfect mix between something you can wear when you're exercising, but then also something that's soft and comfortable. Usually they're just like way too far in one direction or the other, but the Nike Zenvi leggings are the perfect combination. I love the way they feel on me. They're soft and comfortable, but also perfect for any workout. So head over to Nike.com today to discover all the ways that Nike helps you feel your all. That's Nike.com today to discover all the ways that Nike helps you feel your all. This episode is brought to you by Cozy Earth. I love Cozy Earth. And you know who else loves Cozy Earth? Oprah. Oprah named Cozy Earth one of her favorite things in 2018. And your girl, Vic, is naming Cozy Earth one of her favorite things in 2023. So they stay being the favorite. I sleep every single night. I'm like, I'm laughing because it's true. And how cool is it that there's something that I literally love to use that Max and I sleep on all the time and they sponsor RealPod. I mean, pinch me. I sleep on Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheet set, which is temperature regulating and incredibly soft. The first time I touched these out the wrapper, I was like, whoa, they are like not even kidding when they say incredibly soft and temperature regulating. These sheets to me are magical. Cozy Earth's linen bedding collection adds casual elegance to any space. I love a good linen in a bedroom and it captures the fabric's breezy, timeless appeal. Check out the Cozy Earth website. They have so many things to offer. I also splurged on the PJ sets. I have two of them in white. All my bridesmaids have them in pink because that was one of my bridesmaid gifts and they're just so comfy. I mean, take this offer because it is one of the best offers I've seen come through the podcast up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code REALPOD. That's REALPOD, R-E-A-L-P-O-D, all caps, one word for up to 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com. When you use the code REALPOD, this is an exclusive offer for REALPOD listeners today. Head to CozyEarth.com, use code REALPOD, all caps, one word for up to 35% off site-wide. Thinking of fasting and supplements and juice cleanses and I don't know, red light therapy and acupuncture. Like there are so many things and sometimes it feels overwhelming. And then I'm just like, okay, well, my Yaya is like 86 and she's kicking and I don't think she's had kale in her life. You know, it's like, (laughs) there's so many different claims, but I think then the thought is, okay, well then do I just, what do I do? You know, like what is going to be, and I don't like the word healthy because I think it is for me been so toxic. I think more of like what's nutritious to eat or what's beneficial in your house. Like how do you find the things that do work for you that aren't the wellness trap? Yeah, I think it's such a slippery slope and it's it's so hard not to fall into that trap, especially in this 
information environment that we're in now because there's just constant information coming at us from all directions and the information that gets liked and shared and surfaced and goes viral tends to be the sort of controversial stuff, the novelty stuff, the fear inducing stuff that, you know, makes people angry and upset and scared and want to take action by, you know, buying all new products or whatever it is. So one thing you can do is just to, you know, try to reduce your use of social media and sort of reduce the amount of information coming in about all these issues and questions and try to like not think so much about wellness because I think you can get so easily pulled down this rabbit hole of overthinking every little decision. Something that I've been seeing everywhere is those Zempic influencers, celebrities, when people are drastically losing weight, that's sometimes the comment section is like, are they on Ozempic? As far as I know, this is a medicine that is supposed to be intended for people with diabetes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but because of its side effect of severe weight loss, people in general are just taking it to kind of get that effect. Yeah. So it's a little complicated actually, because like while weight loss is an off-label use for this diabetes drug, Ozempic, there is now a drug that's a higher dose of the same generic drug called Wagovi that is marketed for weight loss and approved for weight loss. And that's, you know, Novo Nordisk, the maker of the drug, is really pushing that and pushing health authorities and doctors to prescribe Wagovi for weight loss. And that's like the cousin of Ozempic now that they, so they were yep. like, oh, we, we were making major sales for weight loss. So let's just do one for weight loss. Is basically exactly. Like, yeah. Wow. It has this off-label use for weight loss. The doctors are already prescribing it for. People are already discovering and trying to get their hands on it. So let's make one explicitly for weight loss. That's just a higher dose of the same drug. They're both semaglutide. One is just a higher dose of semaglutide. But the issue is that Wagovi is very expensive. It's more expensive than Ozempic. And Ozempic's been around longer and is, you know, approved by insurance for diabetes, but some people can get it off label for weight loss as well for cheaper. And so people are, you know, taking Ozempic, I think, largely because of that, because they can't get Wagovi. How does this injection actually cause your body to lose weight? Yeah. So it works on or hormonal fullness. Basically, it helps helps with feelings of satiety and feeling like you don't need to eat. And the result of that is that people tend to not want to eat and can go long periods of time without eating and eat a lot less. And, you know, that's the same effect that diet pills in the past have had, that other diet drugs in the past have had. You know, they've worked on different mechanisms, but it's kind of always the same. It's an appetite suppressant, basically. And the problem with that is that, you know, people end up with really disordered relationships with food because of it. They end up being super restrictive not getting enough nourishment, losing large amounts of weight quickly. You know, people who are larger bodied to start with are encouraged to do that because they're made to feel like they need to do that for their health. Right? Oh, I have and, a friend whose OBGYN said you should get on Ozempic yeah. to them. Yeah, no, I mean, doctors are prescribing it now, though, too, because there's a lot of pharmaceutical industry influence, actually. You know, the majority of the doctors and researchers that I've seen quoted in media pieces about these drugs, you know, glowing reviews of these drugs. The majority of the, the the doctors and researchers quoted have taken a lot of money from Novo Nordisk, have been paid, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars by Novo Nordisk for consulting or for research. So I think that's really, you know, telling that that there is so much pharmaceutical industry influence there. There was actually a good series of investigative reports in the UK by The Observer and The Guardian showing that Novo Nordisk has inappropriately tried to influence 
health policy in the UK for, you know, getting the health service to adopt Wigovi and, and Ozempic, trying to, you know, get them to prescribe them to people. So yeah, there's huge conflicts of interest, I think, in, in this space. And a lot of doctors who are prescribing it are, you know, reading the research and saying, oh, it seems to be, you know, effective for large amounts of weight loss. It seems to be safe per these short-term studies not realizing that the drug company has paid for that research, that the drug company has, you know, significantly influenced the cultural conversation about this, these drugs, and that the safety and efficacy has not been shown long-term. There are significant side effects of these drugs and significant safety risks. There's actually a boxed warning on the drugs, which is the sort of most serious warning label that the FDA can give a pharmaceutical, saying that this, this drug carries a risk of care of causing thyroid tumors. And, you know, that has been found in rodents. And so it doesn't necessarily translate to humans. You know, rodent research doesn't always translate to humans. But the fact that the FDA thought that was enough of a risk to put a a box warning on the drug is really significant, given that a lot of drugs, diet drugs in the past that got pulled from the market for safety problems, you know, Fen-Fen famously in the 1990s, which caused heart valve defects. There was another drug in 2020 that got pulled from the market, a weight loss drug called Belvique. You know, neither of those had a black box warning label on them. So the fact that this one does says wow. to me that this one is even riskier. And we see, you know, not just thyroid problems, but also pancreatic issues, kidney issues. People also tend to have higher levels of nausea, vomiting, constipation, diarrhea when they take these drugs. And, you know, those aren't necessarily serious, but they can be you know, incredibly damaging to people's quality of life. And not only that, but people don't maintain weight loss on these drugs once they stop taking them. Like they, right. they can only maintain weight loss if they take them long-term. So it's and, like setting up customers for life, really. And you know, what is so sad about all of this is there was a time for me when I would have been like, let's, let's ride. Like, give me the thing because I will do anything mm-hmm. to be pin thin. I would love to look, you know, that type, that type of way. Like the world has really glorified skinny to a point where people do not care that those are the side effects. You know, they're just like, well, we'll get there when we get there, but I'm going to look hot now, which I have empathy for. Same. Yeah. I mean, especially for larger body people in this culture, but I think really for everyone across the weight spectrum, there's so much pressure to look and be thin and, you know, for higher weight people to lose weight. There's so much pressure from so many corners of society and, you know, internal pressure from all this body image stuff that we've internalized that I would have been the same, you know, at my, the height of my eating disorder, I certainly would have been willing to take that risk. I was taking other risks to try to be thin. It's completely understandable why people are attracted to this kind of drug. And it's, you know, incredibly risky, incredibly problematic. And this drug company is making money hand over fist when I think it's likely, given the track record of other diet drugs, that this will either be pulled from the market because of safety concerns in a few years, you know, maybe five years, maybe less. Or if if not that, that it's going to end up sort of not being the the hot miracle ticket that it was made out to be because people are going to potentially regain weight in the long term people are potentially going to have so many side effects that outweigh the benefits. The drugs are not going to be able to be prescribed or stayed on long-term. You know, we just don't know kind of what the the future holds. But I think right now there's this, this frenzy for them that is really 
understandable, again, given the culture we live in and also unjustified, given all the risks. Do you think that the pendulum is swinging back towards the heroin chic, you know, 90s body image look? Because I did feel like for a while there in 2021 and 2022, whether I was just on the right side of social media, there was a really big and heartwarming and exciting push for inclusivity for everyone. But now with this rise of Ozempic, we are seeing people going back to wanting to look this way, but also society, you know, coming around to love it again. And I think that's kind of like everything in life, you know, things go in and out of style. And unfortunately, we've somehow made the shape of a body a trend. I think in some corners, yes. And I think Novo Nordisk has tried to frame this and and people who've taken money from Novo Nordisk have tried to frame these drugs as the solution to weight stigma because, you know, it shows that this isn't a matter of willpower. This is a matter of biology. And therefore, these drugs are going to help destigmatize body size. And I just think, you know, that's a load of BS because what actually happens is they dramatically increase weight stigma when everybody's clamoring to be thin. And now it's sort of more acceptable to talk about thinness again. It's incredibly problematic. But I think, too, there is still a robust anti-diet movement. There's still robust, you know, fat positivity movement. And those things that are rooted in a more political consciousness, I think, aren't going away. People who've had their sort of minds open to that side of things may be less likely or a little more insulated from the sudden kind of trend towards super thin bodies again, not across the board. I mean, even if you're really committed to anti-diet values, but you're a larger bodied person experiencing weight stigma every single day in your life, I think it's understandable and incredibly tempting to go back to pursuing thinness via these drugs. Mm -hmm. There are enough people who are questioning these things and thinking critically. And I've started to see some journalists now asking questions about Novo Nordisk's influence, like these, you know, articles coming out of the UK, but also some American journalists as well, starting to ask questions about, you know, whether this is inappropriate and just sort of how far that influence goes. I've seen reports that, you know, influencers on social media are being paid not necessarily by the company itself, but perhaps by companies that, you know, are sort of resellers of the weight loss drugs to be like spokespeople and, you know, document their so-called weight loss journey and things like that. And the fact that, you know, that's coming to light and people are starting to talk about that, I think is a good thing. It can look kind of bleak sometimes, I think, but I do still have hope that this is a moment in history that will pass. This is kind of a blip and, you know, diet culture does tend to recirculate and try to resurface again and again. And this is just another way it's doing it. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I went to therapy this week. It was such a good session. I have a tough conversation coming up in my life and my therapist was helping me role play all the different ways the conversation could go, how to self-soothe my emotions, how to see the perspective of the other person and just better equip me for something in my life that's going to be really hard for me. And that's why I love therapy. I get to learn so many tools, skills, and strategies that I wouldn't have already otherwise known. And just in general, at a high level, therapy gives you tools to find more balance in your life so you can support others, succeed in work, school, life without leaving yourself behind. It is so important to prioritize yourself and to work on yourself and to put yourself first. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, I'm so proud of you. I know it can be a journey to get to that decision. Please consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash realpod to get 10% off your first month. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I'm very, very particular about promoting any supplements, anything that is related to nutrition or that you digest because I know how sensitive these things are. I love AG1 by Athletic Greens. I take it every morning. And the most important thing about Athletic Greens is that their messaging is so inclusive, so non-toxic. It's not shaming you in any way. It's simply a combination of all your key health products like multivitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more working together as one. And I do like to know I can kind of have some of these important nutrients in this one drink in the morning and then not have to kind of stress about it as much throughout the day as an intuitive eater. So that's why I love AG1 by Athletic Greens. I first started taking AG1 because Max introduced me to it. I love it. I've been going strong now for like, I think, oh my gosh, over two years. And I definitely notice the difference when there's mornings I don't take it or I'm traveling and I'm out of my travel packs. AG1 by Athletic Greens is made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. AG1 is also delivered monthly so you don't have to think about it. And the travel packs come in so clutch, so Athletic Greens is giving RealPod listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash RealPod. That's athleticgreens.com slash RealPod to receive a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. athleticgreens.com slash RealPod. Check it out. I remember being in the throes of every fitness video and how to lose the fat between my inner thighs and what I can eat to, you know, change the way my body looks and all the different diets I tried. And now being completely in the other direction, like to a point where I don't know about you, Christy, I feel so at peace with food in my body. Sometimes I don't even want to talk about the anti-diet stuff anymore because I have such peace in my life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like, I would just love to live in this bliss. But I know that the work you're doing is helping so many people. But thinking of where both of us were at one point and where we are now and the people listening who might be where we were, what are some of the things that just keep you grounded? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely one of them is the amount of time and brain space that I have back from those pursuits. And I should say that is a privilege, right? To be able to get that back, to get that level of healing, you know, to not be constantly stigmatized and shamed for the size and shape of my body, to have access to the resources for therapy and all of that stuff. Like, you know, definitely I'm very privileged to be able to attain this, but I think, I think it is attainable as well for, for many people, if not, you know, if not everyone, right? Because people at higher ends of the weight spectrum have more barriers to being able to attain this. And I've still seen folks who are stigmatized for their size, 
be able to get to a place of freedom and, and food in their body as well. I think just to add to what you're saying, we, you know, when you talk about the privilege, it's people who are in larger bodies, they have to ask for the seatbelt extender on a plane. And that opens up a triggering experience that opens up the judgment of others. That's an obstacle you and I don't have to face. So we have more of this internal work that we feel like we can pretty much control. But as you said, and you're correct, there's a lot of people out there who face external battles every single day. Right. And that makes it so much harder to do the internal work and to get to a place of peace, because when you're constantly being, you know, as much inner peace as you may be able to muster, and we both know how fraught of a battle and difficult of a, of a you know, challenge that is to begin with, then, you know, that's like a fragile piece that you're able to, to get. And then you're being derailed by all these things happening from the outside, all this external stigma and pressure. So it, it is you know, more challenging. I think the higher you go up the weight spectrum and also the more other marginalizations people have, that just adds to the difficulty, I think, of recovery. But, you know, all that being said, I think for me with the the privileges and the sort of combination of luck and hard work that I've put together in my life, as you alluded to, sort of not wanting to think about it, you know, just having having so much space and freedom from it that I can pursue other things. And I've actually started to feel myself, like I'm ready to move on a little bit. You know, I think anti-diet work will always be a part of my life and a part of my work, but moving into talking about wellness culture and, you know, social media and sort of how that plays a role and the mis and disinformation that's spread and thinking about media literacy and just, you know, a lot of new ideas that, that I've been able to explore in this new book and my new podcast, like that has been really exciting for me and I think is kind of a next layer to my own recovery. I listened to your episode recently about your sort of pivot and, you know, identity shift. And I've been kind of going through some similar things since becoming a mom and, you know, thinking about how my roles and, and priorities are changing in my life. You know, I think part of part of what drew me to the anti-diet work and to speaking out about these issues was my own recovery and the fact that you know, when you're new at something or newish at something and you want to really cement it, you can teach it to others or spread the word to others. And that actually helps reinforce it for you. Right. That's mm -hmm. a common teaching tool in classroom settings. And, in you know, I think it, it happens a lot with social media as well. And people who become kind of influencers in these spaces because they're so fired up because of their own journey. But at, at a certain point, we kind of get to a place of like, OK, I've really cemented that knowledge by spreading the word to others. And now I'm ready to do something else. And I just think that's super cool, like to get to a place where you're like, what else is there that I'm curious about? What else is there that I want to pursue in my life? And I don't need this so much anymore because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not I'm not fighting against diet culture so intensely in my own life every single day that I have the space to give to other things. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I'm so flattered that you listen. And so many people related to that, whether they're in a similar industry where people, you know, put them in a box or not, just times in your life when you change. And I think when it comes to wellness and diet culture and everything we're talking about today, that can become a personality is mm -hmm. you're the person in the family who always knows the great workouts or always has the cleanest quote recipes. And it's like, okay, well, who am I going to be if I'm not the person who's always working out and always on the fitness grind? And, you know, that personality shift I think is major, but when you're anywhere in life where you're no longer feeling like your heart is lit on fire and it's feeling heavy and it's feeling beat up every day, that is when we have to look deep and think, 
yeah, is this what's best for me or not? For anyone who's thinking, okay, I don't want to subscribe to diet culture and the wellness industry, and maybe they love the cold shower, but they don't want to clean their house of any product that wasn't made organically, you know, what's how do you walk the the line and find balance? Yeah, a couple of things. I think one thing is that sort of recognizing if something feels good and fun for you and it's not causing you any harm, then, you know, that's great. That's not something I'm trying to take away from people. There's certainly scientific evidence to support like a general balanced way of eating or, you know, intuitive eating or things like that. But when it comes to things like taking cold showers or celery juice or gut healing and the supposed, you know, gut health diets that a lot of people are doing or whatever, you know, there's, I mean, there's really no science behind celery juice. Wait, I thought there was a lot of science for cold showers. I mean, it's not long-term, it's not large-scale studies, it's not like the kind of science that we really want to see for clinical recommendations. It's kind of early stage you know, interesting for potential future reference, but not something that I think I'd recommend people basing their life decisions around, you know? My husband, Max, his showers are his sacred time. Like I always joke Mm -hmm. with him. I love his showers. I'll never tell him, hurry up when he's in the shower because I know he rarely gives himself anything. And when, and that shower is his time. And I love it for him because he's always go, go, go. And there was a time where he got on the cold shower trend And I just remember feeling like heartbroken because I was like, Mm -hmm. wait, no, but you love your showers. Like that's your time. And if you're cold showering, you're rushing it because no one wants to be in a cold shower longer than two minutes. And then you don't get that, you know, five to seven minute shower you usually take. That's your self-care mindfulness time. Whereas for me, like showers are not sacred to me in that way. And I like the cold shower because it shocks my system and it wakes me up. So, you know, I think that's just an example of like, how it might be something that helps me. But for Max, I hate to see him get on the trend and then not have his mindfulness time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's like it's it has such different functions for different people. I think of people I know who incorporate that with all kinds of other morning routine stuff where their morning routine becomes this rigid sort of straitjacket almost that they have to do everything a certain way. And, you know, it takes hours. You know, if you have the money and the time and the the space in your life to have a really long, huge morning routine with lots of rituals and it feels good to you, then okay, cool. But, you know, not everybody has that ability. And I think for a lot of people, those things can start to be really constricting and also can start to lead down paths. I mean, one of the things I cover a lot in the book is, you know, the role social media plays in spreading mis and disinformation, as we touched on a little bit. And I think one way that that can happen is, you know, people start searching around for information on one trend. Maybe it's celery juice, maybe it's cold showers, maybe it's whatever, dry brushing, who knows. And then from that, the algorithm pegs you as a crunchy person or a wellnessy person and starts showing you other things that wellnessy people like. And suddenly yeah. you can be sort of overwhelmed with all of these things that you're quote unquote supposed to be doing including, you know, a lot of restrictive dietary habits, a lot of unnecessary and potentially harmful supplements. You know, it's it it puts you in the path of all of this misinformation or just, you know, information that could potentially be harmful to you given, you know, if you're in a vulnerable state. And if you get into one of these trends, maybe trying to not go down a rabbit hole of that on social media because then it's going to pull you further along into other trends that could potentially be harmful. 
Yeah. And I think that rabbit hole part is the key because like people are going to be on social media or they're going to be online and you're going to come across it. So it's just catching yourself and being like, nope, not for me. I mean, the other day there was a podcast that released an episode on like, you know, how to detoxify your entire house. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, do I really want to listen to this? Or is this one week of a a podcast I like that I'm going to skip because otherwise I'm going to feel like I have to burn my entire apartment and I don't have the energy time resources to, to, to currently, you know, may change it all up tonight when I go home from listening to this. So I think there's people I like to follow when I listen to you, but then when it comes to certain things, I'm like, all right, I'm passing on this or not going down the rabbit hole on this because yeah, you have to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Christy, thank you so much. It has been so great chatting with you. I always love when we get to debunk these things. Congratulations on another book. And I'm sure you're feeling this way yourself, but you've put so much on paper and out into the world. If you are, if you are wanting to become a painter or dancer or just be a mom for a little, I hope that you give yourself that grace because you've really changed so many lives with your research. And I love your podcast, Food Psych. I listened to the Ozempic episode when you put that Mm. out. I was like, I need to know everything about this. And thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming back on the show a second time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk with you again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.